You're listening to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Wildcard. I'll be your host this week, Matt. You can follow me on Twitter at MattFFDynasty. And with me as always are my two co-hosts. First off, we'll start with Ali, who you can follow on Twitter at FFDynastyGrill. How are you doing, Ali? Yeah, I'm a bit sad, Matt. Um, not because uh, of a certain injury, but uh, because because uh, because Love Island's finished. So oh. what, what am I going to do with my evenings? Uh, well... It's two conflicting situations here, Ali, because I'm absolutely ecstatic that it's over and done with. <laughs> You're missing out, Matt. You're missing uh, out. It's, it's all about the circle. Uh, and I'm sure as fellow co-host, he'll agree with that. So I'll introduce him. It's Kev, who you can follow on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Go. How are you doing, Kev? Oh, it's just it's just bad news after bad news. Currently, obviously, the, <laughs> the circle it's been talked that it's going to be axed from UK TV, which is a disgrace and <laughs> and then we've had the news today haven't we, about Travis Etienne potentially being out for the season so uh, as a guy that's been well above consensus on Etienne it's not ideal um, obviously Dynasty it's a long term game but short term value is going to take it and uh, it's got me scrambling in a few places including one of our wildcard leagues Matt yeah, I know you told me you're at 25% ownership, aren't you, Kev? So, luckily, you've not gone too overboard. If, if anything happened to Michael Carter, I think I'd have to, uh, I'd have to leave the country. But, yeah, luckily, you've, you've not invested too heavily. But what's your feelings long-term? Are you any concerns long-term? Or are we just hoping he comes back and, and dominates as, as soon as he comes back? Yeah, I think that with the injury, I'll probably end up being in line with consensus as it is now on him because I'm not high on him. I'll probably just fall back to where where it should be. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it, it, it's a blow. I think a lot of leagues I've took him as running back three, so it doesn't damage me too much. But but yeah, just, just gutted for him because I think he's got an amazing ceiling, a top five ceiling in uh, in the NFL. What about you, Ali? Yeah, no no panic selling or buying for me. It's just a case of wait and see if, if I'm... If I'm rebuilding on a team that's not doing very well at the end of the season, I'm certainly going to be shooting some offers over for ETN because I'm I'm very high on ETN, but not obviously not as high as you, Kev. But <laughs> it's certainly someone I'm gonna I will be targeting uh, sort of towards the end of the season. Yeah, we just know it's tough, isn't it, for for these rookies if if they have a big injury at the at the start of the career, it, it tends to to slow down any any kind of hope of them having a, a strong career. So hopefully. He can come back and just do what Kev, what, what you were hoping he could do. Hopefully he can, he can just do that next year instead of this year. But it kind of leads on nicely to, to the topic we've got on today's show, because today's show we're going to be discussing the ambiguous or, or muddy situations in Dynasty. Um, obviously, the Jags, that would have been a, a key one to talk about, but it's it's cleared up a little bit now after, after the injury. But yeah, we're going to be talking about the the approach we're going to take on, on these either the backfield or the, the wide receiver course. So might as well jump straight in with the with the running back, Sally. You're up first. Which backfield do you want to talk about? Well, unsur- unsurprisingly, I'm going to talk about the Buccaneers backfield. <laughs> uh, it fell perfectly for this show. Um, it's, it's definitely one of the muddiest situations in, in Dynasty right now. Um, people tend to avoid it altogether, but, but I love it. So we've currently got Ronald Jones, the RB32, and... Leonard Fournette, the RB34. Um, 
I'll just start by saying I think Ronald Jones in redraft is a is a hell of a value. I can't see any way he doesn't beat that ADP this season, which is the RB35, which is actually higher than his, his dynasty um, ADP. Um, so this is how I see the backfield in its current state for this season. And obviously talk about dynasty, dynasty perspective afterwards. Um, so Ronald Jones is the lead back. There's the, no surprises there. He yes. should have hit. He, he should have hit a thousand yards last season if it weren't for the COVID protocols. Um, I don't think we're going to get we're going to see playoff Lenny this year. Uh, he's currently playing second fiddle to Rojo. He's also looked really bad in training camp. He just got no juice apparently. Just doesn't look right. Um, and and Fournette basically has returned this season because no team basically wanted to pay him. So we got him back at really cheap value and. It's going to be good depth for us. You know, we're obviously all in again for this year. Um, so obviously does hurt Ronald Jones this year, but don't let it put you off him long term. The fact he's only just had his 24th birthday, so he's only just older than Najee Harris, who's now in, entering the league. Um, he's on the last year of his contract as well. So um, looking ahead, I, I personally don't think the Buccaneers re-sign him. Um, so he could end up elsewhere next season. But I do believe that he's got... A thousand yards in him this year. I think he'll get that easily, um, and then I think he'll be signed to a nice contract elsewhere next season. Um, so for me, now's the time to trade for him. While while it is a murky situation in Tampa, you've obviously got Gio Bernard, and I've spoke on length on Twitter. He's going to be a big part of this offense this year. He's been catching everything in in camp and preseason. His pass blocking is really good, much better than the other two. He's just been a breath of fresh air. Um, and Jones and Fournette, they continue to drop. So many passes. Uh, I think that is the biggest danger to Ronald Jones right now. Are they going to decrease his pass usage even more with with Bernard there? Um, there's actually talk in preseason that Fournette may end up being a cut candidate. Had had Keyshawn Vaughn lit up preseason. He's he's been re- flashing really well in in training camp, um, but that's not happened the first two games, so it's pretty unlikely now. Um, and also, we can't rule out Bruce Arians as his hot hand approach that he used last year. If if Fournette breaks off some decent runs, he's going to keep him in the game and Ronald Jones is going to sit. But make no m- mistake about it, this offense is going to score a hell of a lot of points this year. So there's plenty of opportunities for the running backs. Uh, this team, Bruce Aaron has recently said that he, he wants to run the ball a lot more. Um, but again, they're just not that very good at it. They're, the schemes are too predictable. It's always run on first down and and. and defences know what they're doing but uh just to sum up i think ronald jones is a value with his current adp and i'm staying well clear of of fournette um fournette's currently going ahead of the likes of aj dylan raheem Mostert, james connor even cam Akers. i draft all of them ahead of uh fournette in dynasty so my advice is to buy buy ronald jones and avoid fournette yeah, I, I, just to go back in time, I was all about that Rojo train last season. I was heavily touting him. Um, I was confident Keyshawn Vaughn was not a threat. Um, I did feel it was a little bit derailed from being on that hype train when Fernet signed, but Ronald Jones, he had a brilliant season, running back 20, uh, running back 23 in fantasy points per game. And that was my vindication that running back 32, which was his dynasty ADP, was incorrect. Um, I did feel that Without Fonet, he had that top 15 possibility. Um, and he's got the same dynasty AP now of, of running back 32. But I think it's a lot murkier than last year. Uh, we saw that Fonet was outplayed by Rojo in 2020, that Fonet was a second fiddle runner, uh, a pass down back, 
And it's only when Ronald Jones was injured that he actually took off. And um, it's fair to say he was a beast in the playoffs. He, he was on that running back four pace, scoring 20 points plus per game in the playoffs and the Super Bowl. And I, I think he's definitely earned a, a split in that uh, in that backfield based on that effort now that both those guys are healthy. But like you said, Ali, I do worry about the motivation of Fournette that it, it was it was nothing in this um in the regular season and he turned it on in the playoffs and that motivation's been a, a key factor in him leaving Jacksonville as well. So if he's lost the juice and he's not got the motivation, if he's had a few too many bevies this off season, then I do worry about him as an asset in Dynasty. Plus it gets tough to predict with Gio Bernard there. Uh, he was a constant form for the Joe Mixon troopers out there. Um Matt and uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, we, we know Gio's a very capable pass catching back. He lowers the ceiling for both Jones and Fournette in my eyes. But I do think both they are considered low end running back threes in Dynasty. They're, they're not guys I'm particularly going after at this point. I still think it's a great offense for fancy production. Um, but but yeah, it sounds like you're higher on Rojo and Fournette. So I just want to know what your thoughts are on the addition of Gio Bernard. Do you think that with him coming along? Ronald Jones can be a top 24 running back this season. Can Fournette be a top 24 running back? Or is it just a case of uh, muddy backfield? Uh, well, I'm not exactly becoming the train driver of this the hype train, but I, I do see I do see Ronald Jones getting near a low-end RB2. He's been, he's been absolutely lights out. He looks much better, stronger, faster, and just looks much better than Fournette. Uh, Gio obviously hurts his ceiling, but I think... Jones still gives you that great upside from someone that's been drafted as a currently low-end RB3. Um, I, I don't see Fournette having a chance unless Ronald Jones has suffers a major injury. Um, and the fact that he was the RB20 last year and, and he also had problems, he, he had a couple of injuries and, and obviously the COVID as well, that tells me that he can break into the twenty-four top 24 with a full season and even with Bernard there now as well. Yeah, I'll be honest. I think this is a backfield that I'm going to be targeting given the, the current ADP, especially if, if you fade running backs in, in your startups or in, in your redraft leagues. We just mentioned Ronald Jones finishing RB20, Fournette RB35. Um, both flashing big weeks, but ultimately they ate into each other's production and therefore capping each other's ceiling. Um, but the one thing I don't get is just how close the ADPs are um, with Ronald Jones obviously just being a couple of spots higher than Fournette. I mean, talking dynasty, Ronald Jones has just turned 24. He's taken a step forward each year, um, falling just 22 yards short of a 1,000-yard rushing season. And then if you just look at a couple of, uh, of the metrics, he was 13th in true yards per carry last season and an eighth in yards created per touch. And then we'll go on to Fournette. He's going to turn 27 mid-season. He's been pretty inefficient, to be honest, ever since entering the NFL as the fourth overall pick in 2017. I think he was more of a, a byproduct of volume when he was with the Jags. So then if we just compare him to, to those stats I mentioned with Ronald Jones, he was 52nd in true yards per carry and 45th in, in yards created per touch. So just shows the difference in, in just how much more effective um, Ronald Jones was. I think it's going to be an interesting situation. Obviously, they're both going to be in contract years in 2021. Um, but I definitely expect if, if either of these two guys are going to stick around, it's it's going to be Ronald Jones. As I mentioned, those stats indicate that he's, he's far more efficient at rushing the ball out of the two of them. The, the big issue, Ali, you mentioned it, is neither's really shone as a receiver. And now, obviously, the addition of Bernard 
Um, that's going to be a concern to, to both these guys. But I'd probably say it's more Fournette. As I mentioned, Jones, he's the, the more efficient runner. So I feel like it's Fournette that's, that's going to be the one that's losing out, out of the two of them. Um, and, and that's both in terms of, of 2021 and, and long term. I think I'd be targeting Ronald Jones out of the two of them. So, Ali, I know you're, you're a Bucks fan. Do you think, um, do you no. think, I mean, you do like to mention it every show and just how great <laughs> they are, especially last season. But um, do, you, do you think either of these guys resign in 2022? Do you hope either of these guys resign next season? I just have to make the most of it before we return to the the dumpster <laughs> fire that we we normally are. So, uh, um, but honestly, listening to the the Bucks media and the insiders, I honestly don't see a way that they re-sign any of these in 2022. I think Ronald Jones is going to want a payday. I think he's going to have a decent year. So, some team will be out there willing to offer him the money that perhaps we we won't. Um, the only way I see him coming back is if he's going to be really cheap. Um, and if we're going for it again in in Brady's final year um we've got a lot of key contracts coming up so a lot of the offensive linemen uh obviously chris godwin playing on the tag and carlton davis our best cornerback as well so they're going to focus on extending those guys and work out the running back position later um so i'm pretty sure they're going to be targeting a running back in the draft this next season um but if they were to re-sign one of these i'd obviously want it to be rojo as you mentioned he's he's definitely the best pure runner on the team by an absolute mile uh, just if he had good hands, then I could, and he could actually catch the ball. I could honestly see him being a top ten runner back. It's, <laughs> it's just so, it's just so frustrating that he just can't do it. He's tried, he's tried for three years, and he's just useless at it. And uh, it's frustrating. And how, how long before Brady just loses trust in him altogether, especially with Bernard there now? I was just wondering if he was reading Kev's uh, notes by mistake. Then, Ali, <laughs> top top ten running back. Jeez, oh, I love that. <laughs> that sounds I like think... a, a Kev comment. <laughs> It is interesting isn't it? because you look at Ronald Jones and you compare him to a guy like Josh Jacobs and you think if Ronald Jones was in Josh Jacobs' situation the last two years, in my eyes, I think he does better in terms of fantasy production because mm-hmm. I yeah. think he's a better player, uh, pure talent-wise, and they're probably about the same age. Wasn't yeah. Jacobs RB8 last year, wasn't he? He's top, I'm sure he's a top 10 easy, so... Um... I just I try not to look at where he finishes because I don't really <laughs> like him. <laughs> Kev just knows he has those big weeks whenever he's uh, whenever he's facing him in in fantasy. <laughs> right, so so we'll move on to to the the next uh, ambiguous backfield, and and it's the the Cardinals. This one we've obviously got Chase Edmonds. He's currently the, the RB thirteen, and James Connor, who's the RB forty. Um, definitely another interesting backfield, but. Me personally, I think this one's a little bit more easier to break down than than the Buccaneers rather than having two better runners than receivers like in, in Tampa Bay. We've got James Conner. He's clearly the, the more bruising power runner. He's 6'1", 233 pounds. Whereas Edmonds, he's more of the, the receiving back, somebody that thrives in the, in, in the passing game. Um, he's yet to top 500 rushing yards, but he's had over 50 receptions and, and 400 yards last season. Um if I'm targeting either of these two guys, I think it's got to be Edmonds for me. Um, he has taken step forwards with his, his rush attempts um, last season. He's been effective while doing it. He averaged 4.62 yards per carry last season. Um, and then obviously going back to, to James Conner, he's, he's had the injury history that that we know about. If he were to miss any time, then the Cardinals, they don't really have much depth um, beyond these two guys at the position. So obviously, you know, Benjamin uh, in that backfield, but... 
I just feel like if, if that were to happen, it's going to be Edmonds that steps into that larger workload. A little bit like how he did last season, week nine, um, when Drake was injured, he had 25 rush attempts for 70 yards and, and three receptions for 18 yards. So it, there's been times where they're not afraid to, to, to give him the ball. So I just feel like he has that higher ceiling, Edmonds. Um, but just just circling back to to, to Connor being there, he's he's going to be someone that's going to vulture these these touchdowns. And then obviously there's there's Kyler Murray as well. So whenever Arizona are near that goal line, you just know that that he's going to be be getting his fair share as well. So yeah, if I'm picking any of these guys, it's it's Edmonds. Yeah, Chase Edmonds in May dynasty running back 26 at ADP, and now he's running back 30 in ADP. So I'm not quite sure why he's sliding in in drafts. He was a top 25 running back last season. And if you had him uh, in Dynasty last season, you've had the perfect offseason, the fact that Drake left, that the, the Cardinals didn't take a day one or two running back. And the only guy they've brought in is James Conner, who's missed at least three games in the last three years. Remember, Drake was the running back 16 in 2020. Um, so I think Drake he is a little bit underappreciated. I think James Conner... He's done all his business getting 90% workloads in Pittsburgh. I don't think he'll be getting that in Arizona, nowhere near. Um, I can see a long-term issue with Chase Edmonds, the fact that he's 25, that he's yet to hit 100 carries in a season. And both these guys have got uncertain futures. I think they're both free agents this off, next off-season. But I think both Edmonds and Gaskin are really useful right now. The fact that the situations have got better than last year, they've got the pass work, um, we saw that Conroy did flash in Pittsburgh, but he had an elite offensive line. And like I said, that fantastic volume, but he's not getting either of those in the desert. I think, uh, like you touched on Matt, Kyler Murray, 11 rushing touchdowns. Um, he had 11 rushing touchdowns last year, so he's short to bag plenty again. This season, um, personally, I think that number drops, but is Conor going to get 12 rushing touchdowns? I, I don't see it. Um, is he going to get 10? No, maybe he might get 6, 8. But um, out of these two, I'm more hopeful for Chase Edmonds. He's a pass catching back and he's done it on this offence and we know what sort of role he's going to have in 2020. So just want to know, Matt, what do you think their respective ceilings are in 2021, both Edmonds and Connor? Yeah, so if we're talking about ceilings, I'll be honest, I think both are probably mid-RB2s in, in 2021. If Connor can carve out that role a little bit like Drake had last season, then there's potential for, for him this season. Obviously, you just mentioned Drake finishing as the, the RB16 last year. And then on the flip side, um, if Edmonds can see a, an uptick in, in rush attempts, then he can definitely improve on that that RB25 finish last season. Um but with both guys on on the roster and, and with the roles that they have, I can't see the ceiling being much higher than that unless they were to be an injury to to either of the guy. Like I said, they're just going to eat into each other's ceiling. So, yeah, best possible outcome, I'd say, mid-RB2. Picking which one it is that, that does that, it's, it's tough with this backfield. But, yeah, like I mentioned, I, I, I tend to side a little bit more with Edmonds. Yeah, this backfield I actually find more complicated than Tampa's. Um... <laughs> Especially when you've got the the, <laughs> the Russian quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you've got the Russian quarterback. Um, and also, we're only talking about two players here. Where in Tampa, you're talking about three. Um, so I'm personally staying away from it. I think I've stayed away from it so far. Um, and uh, unless I'm win now, I'm going to keep staying away from it. Um, if I was win now, I would take Edmonds. I think there's upside there at RB30. Um, but I do actually like the thought of Connor in a bit of a timeshare. I, 
I don't think his body is going to hold up if he would carry on being a workhorse right now. Um, but at this stage, unless I'm desperate, it really wouldn't feel very good to, to stick him in your lineups. Um, you've got Edmonds on the last year of his deal at age 25, uh, having not seen a big a big workload before. I, I can't see him sticking around in, in Arizona. Um, but I think for this year, I, I think the reward is possibly great. You've obviously got a high score on offense. James Connor's always an injury risk. Um, I think then reception's going to be key uh, for Edmonds. If he sees 50-plus receptions again, he's going to be beating his ADP easily, um, and he'll be a key member of a, of a win-now roster. I'm just just not certain about the, either of these guys' futures, so for that reason, I'm, I'm out on both. Uh, so I'll throw a quick, quick question back to you, Matt. Um, would you be buying any of these two in Dynasty? And if so, what would you be prepared to pay to acquire either of these? I'll be honest. I'm, I'm not rushing out to get either of these guys, but um, <laughs> if I was if I was going to pick one, it'd probably be Edmonds. He's the the one I look at um, more long term out of the two. But but a little bit like Kev mentioned earlier, it's the, the uncertainty to his future um, in Arizona that does raise a bit of a concern. I guess if if you're a win now team, I wouldn't mind giving up uh, the 2022 20, second for that for that added depth. Obviously, if you are a contender, you'd like to think that that second is going to be a, a late second. So for that, I wouldn't mind doing it for for the added depth. Um, and with James Conner, it just feels too risky. Like we've mentioned uh, numerous times already in just this little segment, it's the the injury history. It's it's a big concern, and then there's obviously the, the limited ceiling. Um, but but that goes for both of these guys. Um, if you can get him for a third, maybe that that's okay. Just as I say, for that that added depth. But I wouldn't want to give too much more for for James Conner, if I'm honest. You can't call it a late second, can you? Because Rich Cullen will lose his no, mind. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how are you meant to know? But if if you think you're a contender, you've got to think it's, it's second half, ain't you? Obviously, things change, and I, and I know that. But yeah. <laughs> Agreed. All my, all my yeah. picks are late, late picks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so with that, we'll we'll move on to to the next backfield alley. Which which team we're we talking about next? Ah, oh, it's another murky one. It's the Bills backfield. Uh, so we've got Zach Moss currently going as the RB thirty three, and and Devin Singletary currently going as the RB forty six. So it honestly is the same situation as last year. So. Um, we didn't get many answers from last year either. Um, it was a, it was incredibly high score and running back room. Not you had <laughs> Zach Moss averaged seven point eight points per game, and Singletary was not much more at nine points per game. And then looking at preseason, we still still aren't any the wiser into to which one really has the edge right now. Um, we've seen two seasons from Singletary now, so finishes of the RB thirty five and RB thirty one. That's despite not missing a game last year. And only scoring six total touchdowns is really not what you want from your, your running backs that you roster. Um, and Moss obviously had an in injury hit rookie campaign. He never really got things going consistently. And Moss has started things badly again this year with a lingering hamstring injury. Uh, <clears throat> but that does seem to have been cleared up now. Um, he came in and looked the better of the two backs in last weekend's preseason game. And then just looking at back in the last year, three of the last four games... In 2020, Moss saw 12, 13 and 13 carries, which was at least some improvement and a bit of consistency. Um, so out of the two, I think Moss gives you a higher ceiling, uh, the bigger bodied back. You hope that he gets the goal line work. Um, but the Russian volume as a whole is just not there. So the team as a whole only rushed, only averaged 24.5 Russian attempts per game, which is bottom five in the NFL. Plus the addition of Matt Breeder now. Um, 
and the running back star Antonio Williams, the, the RB9 in week 17 last year. So I'm still giving the edge to Moss right now in Dynasty, but to be honest, I'm, I'm probably out in Dynasty and redraft. Yeah, it just had me laughing when you said murky. It got me thinking of um, those uh, those Southerners in the UK that say murky, and it's it can mean something a little bit different to uh, <laughs> the normal murky. But yeah, I love the Bills, but I hate this backfield. I'm, I'm more of a Moss guy, if anything. But yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one. Single two was a rookie, uh, solid as a rookie, running back twenty seven in fantasy points per game, and then the Bills added Moss into the mix. So that's for him to perform at that level and then get essentially replaced, it's uh, not not very encouraging. Um, I do think Moss has got the potential to be a three-down back. He's got great size. He's a decent pass catcher. Uh, but I kind of see these cancelling each other out. Uh, the OC, Brian Dable, he's, uh, he's generated one of the lowest fantasy points per game from running backs. I believe he ranks 31 out of 32 as an OC throughout his career. Uh, which is, again, not great. Um, plus, you've got Josh Allen, who gets eight, eight touchdowns a season as well. I think the only way we have a breakout in this backfield is an injury to the other one. So I struggle to see from smashing their ADP. Uh, if we do look back, Singletree had 50 targets in 2020, uh, which is pretty decent. Moss missed three games. So if he's playing a full slate, he's going to eat into those targets, I would imagine. Uh, but I, I also imagine that the Bills' offense will remain pass-heavy, that Allen will be used in the red zone. And I just think it caps you upside with Moss uh, with the rushing touchdowns. Uh, so on that base, I think both are unappealing in Dynasty at the cost. I'd be willing to roster one of these on the cheap, but that's on the basis that, unfortunately, I have an injury to the other one. Uh, but I do think if it didn't become a sole backfield, I can see one of these guys putting up running back two numbers. So... Just want to know, Ali, what's the maximum you pay to acquire either of these guys in Dynasty? Um, so I'd probably maybe offer a late 22 second. <laughs> no. <laughs> it maybe be a 2022 second for Moss. Um, even then, it wouldn't feel very good. Uh, Singletary would have to be a third, probably. That feels about right. Um, I think Moss, Moss would be the one that I'd target for the right price. I, I don't think we've seen his true ceiling yet. And although I don't feel that it's going to be that high, it's certainly higher than Singletary's. Um, Buffalo are a high-scoring team with Josh Allen. So if Moss was given the goal line duties, then he could potentially score a lot of easy touchdowns. But as you say, Josh Allen always gets eight touchdowns per year. He takes it off these two guys. So there's not a lot of volume. Um, and there's not that many opportunities either. So a second or and a third. Yeah, nice. I'll be honest. I think I'm I'm completely avoiding this backfield again in 2021. Um, like I mentioned, Bills ranked 26 in rush attempts last season. Moss probably looked the better of the two last year. He's, he has that prototypical size, 5'10", 215 pounds. So we know he, he's probably more more built for taking that heavier weight load, but the volume, it's just not there, is it? Um, and like the Bills, neither of these guys really look better than the other in the receiving game. Um, so I do expect this just to be a full-blown shared backfield and it's just going to become frustrating for, for owner of, of either of these guys. Um, also, the addition of, of Josh Allen's rushing ability, that's just going to add to the frustration, especially when, when you get around the goal line. Um, and in all honesty, at ADP, I'd probably say Singleton is the, the, the guy I'd probably target out of the two, in all honesty. Um, seeing as there's, there's no clear lead guy in this backfield, um, I'm just going to go for the cheaper option, I think. 
Um, there's there's less investment for what's likely going to be an equal return, um, and then the, the possibility for more if any any opportunity were to happen, like like I mentioned with a, a potential injury. Um, you just mentioned Moss's his idea having a, a little bit of a struggle in in the off season with with the hamstring. So yeah, I'm just going to target the cheaper guy. I think um, long term, I, I fully believe that. That Buffalo are going to invest in a league guy, whether that do be in free agency or, or the draft next season. Um, both of these guys were third round picks in the NFL, so there's no great draft capital invested in either of these guys long term. Um, so, Ali, my question to you is: if if one of these guys does somehow manage to emerge in in this backfield in 2021, um, who would you be be backing it to be, and what do you think the ceiling could be? Uh, to be honest, as you just mentioned, I honestly don't think any of these will emerge as, as the lead back. I think it'll pretty much be 50-50 timeshare. Yeah. Um, but if Moss can stay healthy, I think he has the biggest upside of the two. But I think his ceiling is an RB3, which, to be honest, is exactly where he's been drafted. So, honestly, I don't see any value for either of these, to be honest. So, for me, I'm just, just out on avoiding both of them. Yeah, no, I think we I think we all agree on that one, don't we? It's, there's there's no real value, is there? I think in in the ADP. No, um, murky. That's it. It's definitely murky <laughs> <laughs> with no clear situation. So we'll move on to to the next backfield, and, and this is a, definitely an interesting backfield, especially when we talk about fantasy football, and that's the the San Francisco 49ers backfield. So we've got Trey Sermon, who's currently the RB twenty three. And then Raheem Mostert, who's the RB38, plus a, a load of other guys in this backfield as well at the minute. But but these are the main two guys. Um, like I just alluded to, we know the benefits that this 49ers backfield can can have in fantasy. The one big problem is just nailing which guy is going to be the guy that you want to own. Um, Mostert has shown what a great fit it can be when healthy. Um, but but that is the issue is he missed eight games last season. So health's the, the key thing when you talk about Mostert. And then they've uh, they've added Sermon. He was selected in third round, and, and they actually traded up to to get their guy as well. So, to me, this feels like it's going to be a one A one B kind of backfield, um, with with both these guys offering a, a different skill set. Obviously, we know most that he he has the speed, whereas Sermon's more of the the tougher runner. Um, now, I'll say I've said it numerous times. I'm not I'm not super high on Trey Sermon. Um, never really shone in college until he transferred to Ohio State, and even in 2020, those stats were inflated due to a, a few big games towards the end of the season, and and that did include a 331 yard, two touchdown um, game against Northwestern. So, I think his his stats were were inflated last season in in his final college year. Um, and I feel like he's been overdrafted in, in fantasy based on the fact he's, he's landed on the, the San Francisco 49ers. Um, but this is definitely going to be a headache of a backfield, I think, again, in 2020, 2021. Um, long term, I think I've got to say I prefer Sermon. But for 2020, I'm, I'm again, I'm, I'm going to go for that cheaper option in, in Moster and a guy that we already know what he can do in, in this system and, and he's shown the, the ability he has for fantasy. Yeah, as a lover of gifts, I'm surprised you're lower on the server. Do enjoy that gift. I'll, I'll give him that. It's probably the best thing Sermon's ever done is, is that gift. So. <laughs> nah, that's quite that. I think we, we actually tried to do something uh, new on Twitter with this. We put a poll out to uh, to the community, I guess, to decide which fourth backfield we'd discuss on today's show. And the 49ers was a, a clear, clear winner on that. So obviously there's a lot of people wanting to 
uh, know about this backfield and take our expert advice uh, <laughs> on this backfield. So uh, I think the boring answer from me is for this season, most certain for, uh, for Dynasty A, I want Sermon. Uh, but that, that's a really chalky answer. I think it's a great <laughs> offence for running back fantasy production. Um, there's no real job security, it seems. Uh, you can have big fantasy weeks from four or five guys every year. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, um, he drops his knickers to all the running backs, doesn't he? He just loves to <laughs> spread it around to a number of different guys. Um, I think on that basis, I'm personally fading both Sermon and Moster um, in Dynasty. I really liked Elijah Mitchell in this year's draft. I thought it was a great pass catching, uh, running back in college and perfectly scheme, but he's been injured in training camp and he's not had any preseason action. So it's really hard for him to sort of make an impact as a later round pick. Uh, Jeff Wilson's injured. He's going to start the season on Pup. So the two guys I like, are Wayne Gorman and Jermichael Hasty, both of uh, both have played in preseason and looked pretty decent. They're both practically free to acquire. Uh, it looks like Gorman's going to be the running back free to begin the season, um, and he's a guy to hold. But we know that if Hasty makes a team, he's going to have one or two weeks where he is um, he is in that starting lineup and making a, an impact like he did last season. So uh, in Dynasty currently, I've got one share of Sermon and none of Moster. I'm fading this backfield in the main. It's a popular running back by committee every season that uh, Shanahan is there. Uh, Matt, I know you're the highest on most out of the two, so I just want to know if he plays a full season this year, what do you think is ceiling in 2021? Bear in mind, he was running back 25 back in 2019. Yeah, this, I think this is going to be a common answer for, for these ceilings on these kind of backfields, but <laughs> a, a mid-RB2, I think if he stays healthy, I think that can be his ceiling. Um, in 2019, he didn't really see consistent usage until week 13. He averaged under seven carries per game from week one to, to week 12 and then um, just under 13 from week 13 onwards so I think that kind of was the reason why he finished RB25 I think if he could have had a full season of of getting that kind of workload that he got at the end of the season it could be much higher than than RB25 um, the, the big problem with him is that he's never really been used much in the passing game so that's obviously limiting that that ceiling again and, and obviously then with, with Sermon and, and all those other running backs that you mentioned, Kev, um, I don't see that changing in 2021. So that is that is capping his ceiling for me personally. But yeah, mid mid RB2, I think that's that's within reach if he can if he can just stay healthy. How how do you rush for 331 yards and only score two touchdowns? <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about that for a long time. <laughs> just for context. It gets from one end of field to other and then kind of over the line. I think that. <laughs> just for context, when Kamara had his sixth touchdown game, he only rushed for 155 yards last year. That, <laughs> that's shocking. Uh, anyway, this backfield, uh, I think figuring this backfield outcome obviously comes with high rewards. It's a bit like going out and becoming a treasure hunter. It's high risk. It's high rewards. It's, it's never easy to identify the... The, the one guy to own, um, I guess, is the system that never allows a workhorse back. And instead, they use that committee approach in their incredibly productive system. But I have to say, I've had a recent recent change of approach. And I'm actually I'm actually in on Sermon at ADP. So <laughs> RB23. <laughs> RB23 is that, that point in the draft where there's a big drop-off at running back. Uh, so after Sermon, you've got Darrell Henderson, Kareem Hunt. Michael Carter, Miles <laughs> <laughs> Gaskin. <laughs> so 
for me, Sermon is a safer prospect with a higher ceiling in Dynasty. Um, we talked about a guy with some actual draft capital, well, considering the other backs that they have on this team. But no doubt this season it's, it's going to be that shared backfield with most uh, with with some Wayne Gorman thrown in there, with some Jeff Wilson when he's back. So it's, it's a massive headache. Um, uh, but long term, we've obviously got most in the last last year of his contract. Um, Sermon is is the only sure thing going forward. So in redraft, I'll take most and long term for dynasty, I'll take Sermon. So I'll throw a hypothetical question back to you, Matt. You own Michael Carter in a dynasty league, shot Carter. You get a tra- <laughs> you get a trade offer in your in your inbox, and they're offering you Trey Sermons straight up for Michael Carter. What are you doing? Do you not even know me, Alevi? <laughs> what is this question? <laughs> I'll be honest, mate. No, I'm I'm not making that trade. If if I see that, I'm just clicking <laughs> clicking rejects as quick as possible um no i mean I, i'll i'll try and be serious with my answer i do get obviously sermon is he's got the better draft capital and, and it probably feels like the safer bet of the two um but i've, I've said it numerous times i you know my feelings on carter and and the situation he's in as well with with the jets i'd argue it's a better situation than what than what sermon's got and you know honestly i think it, I, I do honestly truly believe he's the better running back out of the two so if it's a straight up deal i'm i'm, I'm not taking it what would you need on top of Sermon to get Carter? Is it even? Is it even in? Even in the three firsts? Yeah, Chuck, Chuck Kamara in. I might think of that. <laughs> um, I don't. I think if a, a second, if they were a second added, I think nearly makes, second. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, if it's your second, Kev, I know it's. <laughs> no, I think yeah, second. I think. I think I could, I could just about do it. Maybe in one league. I mean, I've got him in a lot of leagues, so I can afford to maybe, maybe get rid of one just to, to get one share of sermon. <laughs> yeah, diversify. Otherwise, you might have an ETN situation like I exactly. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to get burnt. Uh, but yeah, we'll 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 move on because um, I don't want to get into talking about Carter too much again. So, <laughs> so we'll move on now, and we're and we're going to go to the wide receiver. So, Ali, do you want to give us the the first team we're going to talk about? Yes, we're going to talk about the Dolphins wide receiver core. So we're going to identify three guys. We've got Jalen Waddle, ADP of wide receiver 32, Will Fuller, wide receiver 50, and Devontae Parker, wide receiver 62. And as much as I love winding Dolphins fans up on Twitter, I, I think that you're in for a really good season in 2021. Um, I'm, along with you two, we're excited for the growth of Tua in year two, combined with the arrival of some serious talent at the wide receiver position. Um, and you know, me and Matt are high on Waddle. It it certainly gives them a new dynamic. Um, I think they're going to look to get the ball in his hands and do some serious damage after the catch. He's got amazing draft capital, although I'm still not entirely sure that I believe them that they wanted Waddle ahead of J- Jamar Chase if he if they were both still on the board. Um, but he's going to be Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill 2.0. Unreal. <laughs> 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 And then obviously you've got Will Fuller, uh, the best ball player's dream player. Um, Going to miss week one, suspended. Um, but I can't see how he doesn't easily beat his ADP wide receiver 50. So he was wide receiver 32 in 2020, despite only featuring in 11 games. And he scored eight touchdowns in that time. Um, and then we haven't even haven't mentioned the wide receiver 11 from 2019. So Devontae Parker, um, without digging into the narr- narrative that was 
Tua and Parker struggled last year. Um, in terms of touchdown production, that that can be said that is true, um, especially where he was being drafted after his awesome 2019 season. Um, you're probably really disappointed. But digging into the stats, in the seven games that they played together, Parker was actually being targeted at an average rate of 8.7 times per game. And to put that into perspective, wow. that was actually better targets per game average than Amari Cooper, Robert Woods, and even DK Metcalf had. Um, so <laughs> also his contract runs until the end of the 2023 season. Uh, the dead cap hit drops off to 5.4 million at the end of next season. But for right now, he's really safe. Um, so for me, I love the value that Parker and Will Fuller bring. And obviously love the talent of Waddle. Um, and I'm not I'm really not in on the running backs or the tight end, but give me the quarterback and all three of these wide receivers in Dynasty. I like that. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I think this wide receiver core is an interesting one as well. Um, I'm gonna break them down in order which I think they should be going in Dynasty. So first off, we've got Will Fuller. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so I think Will Fuller is an absolute steal in all formats. Uh, he was the wide receiver eight in fantasy points per game last season. Uh, he's a clear alpha in my eyes. Let's not forget he did this without DeAndre Hopkins. So it's concerns that he was basically in nice coverages based uh, on the fact of Hopkins being on the field. But he did it without him. So he's proven he can be an alpha. Um Yes, he does have the yearly injury concerns, but there's a phrase that scared money don't make money. So I think with that, he's on a one-year deal. Um, I actually think he's he's chosen to do that on purpose with the fact that the cap's rising next off-season. Um, I think Fuller as a player is way more versatile than he's credited. I think wide receiver 50 dynasty price is an absolute joke. Um now we'll move on to the, the wide receiver two for the Dolphins, Jalen Waddle. I think at five nine hundred and eighty pounds, he's got to be an outlier to hit. I think he's in a nice spot linking up with his former college QB in Tua. Uh, effectively, it costs the Dolphins two first round picks with the trade up they made. So I do think it is great for him as a long term opportunity. Um, I just think Dynasty wide receiver thirty two is a terrible value. I think there's loads better veteran options. Uh, including one rookie, which we might come on to in a little bit. You might know <laughs> I have a bit of an affinity for him. But um, finally, on to Devontae Parker. Uh, to be honest, I, I forgot he was wide receiver one a year ago. Um, <laughs> nobody mentions it. I mean, I've not I've not heard anyone say that in the last year or so. That's uh, it's crazy to think that. So some great research there, Ali. Um, under the radar, wide receiver sixty three dynasty. I think. Um, if you love Tua, it's a cheap way to get exposure to starter. You'd be confident that Parker's going to be on the field in, in two wide receiver sets as a big guy on the outside. I'd assume so anyway. Um, so, yeah, I love Fuller. I'm all right with Parker, but I'm fading Waddle at Dynasty Price. I think the offense is going to look very different this year than it did last year. But um, question for you, Ali, with Tua flashing a second-year leap this offseason and with this improved wide receiver core, where do you see Tua being drafted in startups next offseason 2022? Um, well, I'll start by saying I think people will forever be Tua low on Tua. Um, <laughs> it, <God>. it's, the, <laughs> it's, the, <laughs> it's the it's the quarterback 14 right now. Um, um, with a really good season, I could possibly see him being 
quarterback pot 10 or 11 um i i think he needs to show a bit more rushing ability to break into the top 10 um so how about this one Tua makes the year two leap joe burrow struggles as we've heard um and then we yes. have Tua, Tua ahead of burrow and dynasty this time next season yes uh, i'm here for it yes <laughs> i'll finally feel really good about taking him over burrow in a couple of dynasty leagues <laughs> yeah it'll make his rookie rankings look a lot better from uh from last season <laughs> certainly will <laughs> um yeah i have to be honest i'm i'm excited by by all of these wide receivers um mainly because like i've just mentioned i'm i'm convinced that Tua proves all the doubters wrong and and takes that big leap forward in 2021 and um, so we'll start with waddle super interesting after being selected sixth overall linking up with his former uh, alabama quarterback Um, he's most likely gonna gonna get straight into that slot role so he could be in line for, for early production, given the opportunity and obviously the chemistry he already has with Tua. And then Fuller coming off his most successful season in the NFL, finishes the wide receiver 32 with 879 yards and, and eight touchdowns. And that was despite only playing 11 games before the, the ped suspension. And he's one of the best deep threats in, in the entire league when he's healthy. Um, and then Devontae Parker, who was, like you mentioned, Ali, one of Tua's um, favourite weapons last season. Probably takes a, a little step back now, given the added weapons, but I do feel like that he's, he's super undervalued at wide receiver 62 as someone that could at least make a solid start to the season with obviously Will Fuller missing missing week one and, and maybe Miami do decide to, to ease Waddle in a little bit with him being a, a rookie. But yeah, Waddle, was my rookie wide receiver too, so I'm, I'm clearly high on him and I, and I love the situation long-term and the fact he's going to be tied to it for, for a long time. Um, and as mentioned at the start, all of these wide receivers are excited for 2021. Um, and, and I think all have been undervalued based off concerns with, with Tua. But I just think I think it's ridiculous, to be honest. I think Tua is gonna is definitely going to bounce back next season. So I'm I'm happily grabbing the, the value here. Um, so, Ali, my question to you is, which guy do you think has the, the best season next season out of the three of them? That's honestly a really hard question, but... I can't just sit on the fence, so <laughs> I'm going to go a bit spicy and I'm going to say Devontae Parker has the best year oh, in the three. <laughs> love it, love it. So I love Waddle long term. Uh, I love the upside that Fuller brings, but both are clearly injury risk. So I'll take the big man who's been a wide receiver one before. Um, and then at the cost, wide receiver 62. So he's going amongst the likes of Cole Beasley, Eamon Ra, St. Brown, and then Kev's favourite, Mikko Hardman. So <laughs> <laughs> I love how this has become a thing. Bloody hate him. I just think Parker is a hell of a value, and I can actually see it being being realistic that he could he could lead the team in in twenty twenty one. Yeah, when when you name him amongst those guys, I think it's just unreal, isn't it? The value if you can get him late on in your drafts is likely going to get a lot of a lot of volume like i said especially early in the season so yeah i think he's he's a great target late on in drafts and um, so we'll we'll move on to to the next team and we're, and we're going to talk about the carolina panthers wide receiver core so we've got dj moore at wide receiver 11 robbie anderson at wide receiver 43 and terrace marshall at wide receiver 46 um terrace <laughs> another <laughs> another exciting offense um for, for 2021 more and anderson and um, both finished as top 25 wide receivers in 2020. Then they've obviously added Terrace Marshall as well, making it an exciting trio for this season. They brought in Sam Donald to be their new starter. There's obviously still going to be question marks around him as we've yet to truly see that that potential and that ability that 
a lot of us think it, that he has ever since he was drafted by the Jets. But I think he could easily be an upgrade on on twenty twenty quarterback Steady Teddy. Um, we know he wasn't the most exciting of, of quarterbacks, so hopefully Sam Darnold can can bring out the best of, of these three wide receivers. And we've got DJ Moore. He's yet to to be the fantasy darling that we all hoped he would be, and and what he's been drafted as in in recent years. But he is ultra consistent. He's had back to back thousand yard seasons. Um, he's just lacking in that touchdown department. He's only had ten in the last three seasons, which is obviously killing him in terms of fantasy. And then there's Robbie Anderson linking up with his his former Jets quarterback coming off his first 1,000-yard season last season. And, and we've just had the, the recent news that he's, he's signed a two-year, uh, $29.5 million uh, contract extension as well. So things are looking looking good for Robbie Anderson in, in this in this offense. And then there's, there's Terrace Marshall, the, the second-round rookie pick, um, linking up with his former LSU coach, Joe Brady, in, in Carolina. Um, he's had a really impressive preseason um, six catches for 138 yards in those two games that he's played so far um, and, and being used both in the slot and outside. So really exciting prospect. And and if you've been listening to, to the podcast, Kev's been, been banging the drum. So I know Kev's <laughs> loving that. But um, as mentioned, DJ Moyes is yet to truly live up to that that usual dynasty ADP that he has and is currently the wide receiver 11. That still feels a touch too high for me. Um I think he's probably going to lead the team again in in yards in 2021, but at that cost, um, I'd rather be targeting the the exciting Marshall. To be honest, at, at his cost compared to to what Moore's is, um, and I think there's still plenty of time to to get on the terrace just yet. I know he's had some exciting performances, but even if you if you grab him now, I still don't think it's it's too late. Beautiful, that Matt. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> it's just really nice. Finally, you boys are coming around uh, on Terrace. I know it was both of your rookie wide receiver seven. Uh, shame on you guys, but um, we, we know it was pretty tight between uh, sort of wide receiver three to seven. So I can't be too harsh on you, but um, yeah, yeah, wide receiver seven was. It's, it's, funny, it's funny when you look at it as a number, but I know it, you was a lot closer. So. Um, yeah, can't give you too much stick, but um, yeah, Terrace Marshall, love the guy. I'll get onto him in a bit, but uh, DJ Moore, first of all, absolute quality college profile, one of the best all time in my model. But he, like you said, Matt, he's never really lived up to the hype. He's still only 24, but for me, seeing him constantly go around that wide receiver one range in ADP, it's hmm, it's a bit interesting. I think, um, the fact that he can't be a wide receiver one without Christian McCaffrey. When will he be? Um, he's not a touchdown scorer, but I think as well that the offense hasn't been a touchdown scorer. Um, I mean, we'll, I'll come on to it in a little bit, but Teddy Bridgewater is not exactly putting up Aaron Rodgers' numbers. Um, I've got Marshall over Anderson in Dynasty. I'm not getting hyped by the preseason. It has been nice to see some big plays and the usage, but... I think it's really bad process to be overreacting and changing your dynasty rankings uh, swiftly on a couple of plays in training camp or in preseason. Um, I've been Iron Marshall since day one. I've got him in eight out of 12 leagues. So, um, yeah, 66% ownership is uh, very interesting indeed. Uh, obviously, Robbie Anderson's re-signed for two years. Uh, I'm not too worried. I think this offense, it had three top 25 wide receivers last season. It's not got a tight end of any real uh, real impact. Uh, sorry, Dan Arnold. Um, and then, like I said, Robbie's got the ties to Darnold. 
uh, from the, the the time of the Jets, I guess, as well. So, uh, really interesting that Anderson outperformed DJ Moore last season, that he was a Carolina wide receiver one. Um, I actually think all three are usable in Dynasty, and they're all potential buys depending on the cost. You've got to remember that, unlike running back, wide receiver's a position where there's not just one on the field, there's multiple guys. So, you can, you can have... Uh, interest in all these guys depending on what their price is I think coming on to Teddy now he only threw 15 touchdowns so just imagine if Sam Donald can get up to that 25 10 touchdowns for this offense to go around I think that should negate the return of Christian McCaffrey who's going to be a target hog he's going to catch more passes than Mike Davis did but um, yeah like DJ Moore at cost he's not one for me Uh Robbie Anderson, potential value, but the clear guy I want is uh, is obviously the Terrace. So just want to know, Matt, with you being lower on DJ Moore, what sort of deal would you look to make to move off him in Dynasty if you if you have him? Yeah, I'd definitely be looking to take advantage of, of that current ADP, to be honest. Um, I think if you're a winning now team, you could be targeting guys like uh, Alan Robinson, Keenan Allen, um, and you can likely get a little bit added on top of those guys as well. They've both got a lower ADP than, than what DJ Moore has. And then other guys that I'd, I'd be interested in, people like uh, Ayuk, T Higgins, they're obviously guys that are lower down in the ADP as well. So if you can get either of those guys, any of those guys with, with some pieces added on top, then... Yeah, I think I'm doing that all day, every day, and and just taking advantage, as I say, of that of that higher ADP that is yet to to really live up to. Fair. Yeah, get on the terrace. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, how long have you been signing that, Kev? So I have to I have to oh. applaud you for that. But, Come on, um, God, nothing's happened yet. <laughs> sell the terrace. <laughs> I've I've actually been trying to trade for him in a couple of leagues and. Honestly, the price is far too high. So I do blame you a little bit, Kev. Maybe they were <laughs> listening to you. Uh, so just starting with DJ Moore. Um, I was looking at our current dynasty rankings and we've all got him lower than in our rankings than his current ADP. Me and Matt have got him at wide receiver 13 and Kev, you've got him at wide receiver 15. Um, but it's been an awesome start to his season in terms of, sorry, his career in terms of yardage at least. He's only got just less than 100 yards behind Tyreek Hill's output for his first three seasons. So uh, that's pretty good. But it's just that those touchdowns, only four last year, he only had four in his his previous 1,100-yard campaign. Um, if you were to add another four or five touchdowns on top of that, you're talking about a high, high-end high wide receiver too, so pretty much where he's been drafted. Um, and then you've got Robbie Anderson. He's been my go-to this year in redrafts. Um, I think he's... His draft cost is fantastic. I've I've taken him in nearly every single redraft this year. I think he's going to smash his current redraft ADP. And now he's got the new contract, so happy days. Um, he was the wide receiver 19 last year, and that's despite only scoring three touchdowns. And then we talk about Terrace Marshall. Um, he's obviously lighting up Panthers training camp and preseason, uh, which is no surprise to our Kevin here. Um, he, he looks every bit a future star, um, and his ADP is, is flying upwards. Um, so for me, Marshall's the one to own at current ADP, unless it reaches a crazy level. Um, and as Matt said, DJ Moore's ADP is just a little too high. He's going ahead of the likes of Terry McLaurin, Keenan Allen, Chris Godwin, Alan, uh, Alan Robinson. Um, so if you did pick him ahead of those guys, it really wouldn't feel like a good pick. 
Um, so if I if I DJ more and I could sell him for Alan Robinson plus, I'm doing that 100 times out of 100. Uh, so I'll throw a question back to you, Matt. What do you see the ceiling being for Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall this coming season with the new quarterback, Sam Darnold? Yeah, well, Anderson, he was a, a mid-wide receiver too last year, finishing as the, the wide receiver 19. So I'd say that's probably around his ceiling again. We do obviously have the, the return of Christian McCaffrey. Um, so that's likely going to eat into the targets for all of these wide receivers next season. Um, but like Kev mentioned, I think if, if Donald is that upgrade at quarterback, then that should negate that a little bit. Um, and for Marshall, I'd say a, a high wide receiver three, I think that could be his ceiling. Um, the situation is obviously great for an early impact um, but there's plenty of mouths to feed in this offense. And I think if he does finish as a top 30 wide receiver, I'd say that's a, a really solid rookie season. I know we've, in recent years, we've had some of these unreal rookie seasons, but I think as, as a whole, I think a top 30 uh, wide receiver season in your rookie in your rookie year, I think that's a, a great start to your career. So yeah, I'd say high wide receiver three. I think that's well within his his reach. What about you, Kev? I think Matt's right to be honest I, I think d despite the hype of, of Marshall you can't really be expecting a top 30 finish I think he had three top 25 wide receivers last season but Curtis Samuel's pretty handy he's been in the league a few years I think with Marshall being what wide receiver 46 if he's top 40 wide receiver he's going to go up a little bit I think if he's top 30 he's going to go up a lot um, if there is an injury somehow to Moore or Anderson, who knows? He might be top twenty-five, but I think just just playing it uh, sort of down the middle, I think he, he can be a wide receiver three this season. I thought you were going to say the next Justin Jefferson. Nah, <laughs> nah, I'm not. I'm not that. Not that crazy. I'm not as spicy as you, Ellie. I'm not the grill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll just have to we'll have to see how it goes because uh, Kev could be unbearable this time next year if, uh, if all goes <laughs> to plan. <laughs> or he could um, end up like Denzel Mims. Well, <laughs> hopefully not. And that leads us on nicely to to the next team we're going to talk about, Ali. Yeah, it's a nice segue of that. So uh, we're going to talk about the the New York Football Jets as I sit here with my, my Jets t shirt on. Um, so <laughs> we've got. Elijah, so the current ADPs, we've got Elijah Moore, wide receiver 34, Corey Davis, wide receiver 52, Denzel Mims, wide receiver 68, and then Jameson Crowder, wide receiver 79. So for me, there's a clear leader now in this wide receiver room. Um, and that's despite me being extremely high on their rookie wide receiver, um, who I've spoken about a lot this offseason, and I'll come on to him next. But I think the guy we have to talk about is Corey Davis. Um, for me, he's possibly the best value in dynasty that right now at wide receiver fifth wide receiver 52 i just think that is crazy um i think he was dominant last season in his role opposite aj brown he made the most of his 92 targets uh finishes wide receiver 30 um yes he does receive a downgrading quarterback uh but the pass volumes likely going to be higher um he also stands to be the alpha right now in this offense um and i, I can't see him being any lower than a wide receiver three I think I think around wide receiver 25 or higher, I think it's going to be a likely outcome. Um, so for wide receiver 52 price, I just think that is insane value. Um, they signed into a three-year $37.5 million contract this offseason, um, and he's currently going in the middle of the 11th round. So for me, that's, that's a no-brainer. Um, so yeah, absolutely love the value on Davis. And then 
Elijah Moore, for me, is what Terrace Marshall is for Kev. Is is my guy. Is <laughs> is the guy that I was taking early to mid second round of all my rookie drafts. Um, long term, I think he can be the wide receiver one on this team. And then you've got Jameson Crowder. At this point, we all know what he brings to the team. He's that dependable slot guy. I think he will be targeted a lot early early season while Zach Wilson gets used to life in the NFL. So he's possibly a good value in redrafts at the minute. But long term, I'm out. Um, I'm looking to sell during the season if I can. If I can get anything for him, I'll be selling him. Um, and then Denzel Mims, poor old Denzel Mims. What a shame that it's not worked out for him. Um, I think all three of us had high hopes for him. Um, so if you're on a rebuild team and your league has deep benches, then he's probably worth taking a little shot on if you can just stash him away. Um, obviously, wide receivers can take a lot longer to be established. Um, so maybe he has to get a move away from New York to get a fresh start. So just to sum up, I absolutely love Davis at his ADP. Um, I think you need to get him right now before everybody sees that he's that stud alpha on this team. Um, but long term, it's Elijah Moore. I love his dynasty outlook. Um, and in fact, if he has a slow start to the season, which I think he probably will, then I will. I would love to shoot over some offers for the remaining leagues that I don't own him um, and try and trade for him. Yeah, I think that's a great shout, first of all, about the slow start and that that is the time to take advantage of any of these rookies. Um, but yeah, big fan of the veteran Jets wide receivers. Um, Corey Davis, I think he's been pretty underrated with the Titans. He had two top 30 seasons in Tennessee. Um, I do think he's the alpha on this offense. He's still pretty young as well, 26 years old. Um, Jameson Crowd, I've always liked him. We know what he is. He's a volume slot guy. I do think Elijah Moore... Him being drafted there does hurt him long-term, but at 28 years old, I'm not too concerned about Crowder. He's a guy that I'm thinking one or two years at the max. Um, I'm really intrigued to see how he's targeted early on in the season, if he keeps that volume that he's had previously uh, over the last couple of seasons, or if that was just a case of Sam Darnold liking his uh, slot guy who plays in the slot for the Panthers, Terrace Marshall. Um, <laughs> sorry, uh, <laughs> I had to get that in, but yeah, I think, um, I just think that the guy that's really interesting is that Enigma Denzel Mims. I'm not totally out on him, I think he had an encouraging rookie season. He was injured, he didn't have Adam Gase, but he was really good in terms of true catch rate and our air yard share. Um, I was in on him in, in rookie drafts. Uh, looking back, he was my rookie wide receiver six. Now that I've changed my model, but at the time. It was my rookie wide receiver free, so uh, no doubt there can be. If you want to pull up some old tweets and have a laugh, uh, <laughs> just have a quick search. Uh, but I'm still interested in him at cost. I've got him in uh, three or four leagues at the moment, so I've got plenty of shares. But um, I think he's still an interesting guy. I'm not totally out on him yet. The guy that I am out on the at cost is Elijah Moore, wide receiver 34. I've seen him go for 22nd firsts. I, I, I don't understand why. Um, plenty of buzz off-season. This is despite Crowder sticking around and Corey Davis uh, signing with, with the Jets and obviously looking like the main man. I'm not a big fan of bumping players up and down in dynasty rankings just based on a couple of catches in training camp. Um, I just think what's changed between the draft and now, really. Um, I, th I think the fact that I, th I think if you're willing to pay a 22 first now for him, you just traded up in your rookie drafts and took him at the top of the second. I think that would have been the more logical thing to do. But 
Um, I, I guess for me, I, I lean veteran uh, wide receiver for this season. Um, I think that we shouldn't be expecting the 2020 class to uh, be the same as the 2019 class that we had. So I just just want to know, Ali, in terms of sort of this season, the veterans, maybe even a rookie, who do you think will lead the Jets in fantasy points for a reason? <clears throat> Yeah, for me, I can only see one person, and it's it's Corey Davis. I, I think he's going to dominate this wide receiver room. We've already seen him le- le- uh, link up with Zach Wilson in preseason, um, so I think he's going to smash his ADP and definitely be the wide receiver one on the team. Longer term, I can see Elijah Moore becoming a big part of the offense down the stretch when Wilson's happier in the offense and, and Moore's more established, and he's a better player than Crowder, so... I think it's going to get yeah. a shot later on in the drafts, and it, I guess it, I guess it's me getting excited seeing the Elijah Moore videos and seeing the two to three catches. <laughs> it's you offering those it first. Was, it was me offering the first. <laughs> oh, so yeah, it's it's Davis, but um, but yeah, get get on the more hype. <laughs> Maybe it's just me having take lock and thinking like I I I, I wouldn't have paid nearly second, so maybe it's just mm. me. Maybe I'm in the wrong. Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting wide receiver coin. I mean, Corey Davis, he's looked great so far this offseason and, and what a turnaround he's made from from such a slow start to his career. Um and, and I think that continues uh, this season. He was the wide receiver 30 last season. Um looks to be the clear leader, like Ali said, in, in this team to me. Um Elijah Moore is the exciting addition, but the fact that Crowder is staying with the Jets, I feel like that does limit his his early production. Um, and then just moving on to Mims, despite all the red flags, like yourself, Kev, I'm, I refuse to, to be totally out on Mims just yet. Call it, call it Tate Lock, call it what you yeah. like. But um, I just think that the scheme fit, obviously, it's going to be an issue. Um, but I'm still happy to back the talent. Um, you can get him dirt cheap, and I do still think he's worth a shot. Um, and overall, I agree with Ali's answer to, to your question, Kev. Um, Davis, I think he's clearly the number one. Crowder may cause a, a slow start for more, and that could potentially open up a, a small buy window early on in the season. But I do expect more to be more involved as, as the season goes on. And, and Mims, I, I believe in the talent, but he may need that that change in scenery um, for us to see his true potential. But but who knows? Maybe he can he can take that step forward and 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 make us all feel a little bit better about where we we had him ranked. Well, me and you especially, Kev. Um, <laughs> obviously, we, we were both quite big fans of Mims. But, Ali, my, my question to you is, um, obviously, Zach Wilson, he's looked great this this preseason, but do you have any concerns with the quarterback play for these wide receivers in 2021, given the fact he is obviously a, a rookie and only had that one real big year of college production? Yeah, 100%. I, I think you'd be fooling yourself if you don't have any concerns as you mentioned a rookie only having played one year of big college uh so you've got to be concerned um but what we've seen so far from him is someone that actually looks pretty assured and he's getting more comfortable in the offense but it does take time so you you have to recognize that he's not going to put up big numbers probably early on um and the fact that you're not actually having to take any of these guys early in drafts is a massive help they're all later round picks, um, and that helps. And the fact that you you aren't needing to put these guys into your lineups early on in the season. Um, but having said that, I probably would be happy starting someone like Davis in a in a flex spot. Um, and then from what we've seen from Elijah Moore, I think he's going to come into his own later in the year when 
Wilson's fully immersed in in the offense. So definitely, like we've all mentioned, I think there's going to be a buy window open up for for more, unless he absolutely hits it off the first few weeks. But um, I wouldn't be banking on it. Yeah, there's definitely some uh, interesting pass catchers on that Jets team, obviously. Michael Carter as well. He's going to get, <laughs> get his share, but, but I'll not do it to you. I'll not, I'll not, I'll not do it to you. We'll, I thought we'll, we'd we'll... have one show without mentioning <laughs> Michael Carter. Oh, we've mentioned him loads already, Ali. I thought I might as well throw oh, yeah, him in again. Why not? <laughs> uh, no, we'll, we'll move on. Um, the Saints is, is the next team we're going to talk about and their wide receiver core. Obviously, we've got Michael Thomas, wide receiver 24 now in, in ADP. Marquez Callaway, wide receiver 70, and then Trey Smith, wide receiver 76. Um, I think when healthy, it's clear that, that Michael Thomas he is the wide receiver one on this offense. Um, but the, the recent surgery means he is going to miss the other part of the season. Um, and then the question is who steps into that number one role while he while he is missing? The original thought was that Smith, the guy that's that's shown flashes, but without ever really putting it together constantly. Um, and then there's there's Callaway who's who's made plays in in his rookie season last year, um, and he especially had a, a big role in Week Seven where he had ten targets for eight receptions and seventy five yards. And then he's he's been really impressive in camp and in preseason. Um, and he would probably be the guy that that I'd be be backing to to take on a key role. And I'm, I'm not surprised that his ADP is now crept above above Smith's. I think he's he's looked a little bit like Kev says not to do it, but I've been really impressed by by his. Um, his preseason performances, obviously last night as well, he had a, another huge game with with two touchdowns. That the issue was obviously the quarterback play. Um, for any of these guys to be truly reliable fantasy options, I think we we need Winston, don't we? At quarterback over Hill, um, it just showed it last night with, as I say, with those two touchdowns that Callaway got. You you need Winston at quarterback, I think, because he offers something that that Hill doesn't. So it costs Callaway and Smith. I think they're both worth targeting on the cheap. Obviously, Callaway's um, his value is going to be creeping after after a good preseason. But basically, an opportunity. Um, if somebody wants to pay for for either of these guys, then now's probably the time to sell while there's that that bit of hype around them. Yeah, you're absolutely right on the hype. I, I watching pro football talk earlier today and the first highlights were the Saints and Callaway and the <laughs> hype. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's what you'd expect after a really solid game against the, uh, the, the that really good NFL team, the Jags. Um, like the 49ers backfield earlier on, the Saints wide receiver caught one hour, Paul at the wide receiver position. So I'd, I'd just like to... Give a big shout out to my burners for for this one. Um, <laughs> I, I feel that this is a really interesting team, so there might have been a, a couple of votes from my burners on that one to, <laughs> to swing the tie. Uh, maybe, maybe not, but uh, yeah, I just think Michael Thomas, such a polarizing guy, wide receiver twenty four in dynasty. To be honest, I don't know how accurate that is. I think his ADP could be all over the place in drafts. It could be a lot later than that as well. Um, I think Callaway and, and Traquan Smith were basically free a couple of weeks ago. Um, I got Callaway off waivers earlier on in this offseason in a couple of spots, but I think after his strong showing, all the highlights, etc., you're going to see a value bump. We know that the community can get hyped. Uh, Brian Edwards, I mean, he was what Randy Moss and Terrell Owens or something, and um, <laughs> he, he was getting touted as a second round value, so uh. <laughs> Imagine if you can if you send it if you offer a second for Callaway and it gets turned down, that's embarrassing, isn't it? But um, 
Yeah, I'm a big fan of Kai actually. I was, I was shocked he went undrafted and then I kind of sort of forgot about him and he went on to various waves, etc. But I'm backing on him now. I think he's a guy I would want with Thomas out. I think Traquan's a guy that's never done it. He's he's still a cheap starter, but long term, I do worry about Traquan Smith. And then there's Michael Thomas coming back around to him. Everyone's saying that he's a sell. But I just think unless you get in good value on him, I'm not sure why you'd sell him. I think he's more of a hold until he gets healthy. Kind of like Cam Akers, the fact that if you're selling him now, it's likely that you're selling him at his floor unless you get a really good offer. Um, I mean, Thomas, he's got the QB concerns. He's got the injury concerns. Uh, will he be on the Saints? He's 28 years old. There's a lot of things going against him. So um, I do think if you think he can do anything at all this year, if he can bounce back and have a strong finish, it's better to trade for him now than wait for a bit because as he's approaching his health again, his value is going to go up, even despite the injury uh, concern. So I think when Elfie's still got wide receiver one upside, I think it is a big risk, very big risk, but I can see the appeal of going after him on a win-now team. Just imagine you're getting a wide receiver one for the second half of that season, provided, like I said, it's at a decent cost. So throw a question to you, Matt, hypothetically, where are you on Michael Thomas in Dynasty? Would you be willing to give up a 22 first for him? I'll be honest with you, Kev. I'm I'm completely out on Thomas. Um, I, I'm, that, I'm that guy that's saying sell. Um, the, the few shares that I have had and, and I've managed to trade away, I've, I've basically just been happy to get whatever I can for him. Um, so far, that's been a 2023 first and second. And then I've got Rondale Moore in a 2022 Sorry. second for him. Um, and, and to be honest, I don't really get the situation you, you need to be in to target him. I know you just mentioned... Um, if you you win now, but we know he's going to miss the start of the season, um, and when he comes back, do we know he's going to be a hundred percent healthy? Like you said, it's a it's a big risk, and you've got to be really confident in your team. I think to to be able to target somebody like Thomas and and know that you might not have him for the first half of the season, then then rebuild. I think it's a, it's a no going. It is twenty eight years old, and yeah. there always seems to be some kind of drama around him. I think Kev, you've mentioned before, he's a little bit like Antonio Brown. It's just. He's just a bit, a bit of a diva, isn't he? As oh, you see him on Twitter putting out cryptic tweets and stuff. He's done it recently. Um, <laughs> and the way you, you trade for him is, I think, if you you think you're going to get him a, a super cheap value and, and you think that that value can increase slightly for whatever reason. Um, but I think a 2021 first, that a bit a bit too much for me to, to, to go and acquire him. So NFC South is just full of diva wide receivers, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> best, best division in football. <laughs> uh, when we talk about this this wide receiver room, what an absolute mess this is. For me, it's easily the worst wide receiver room in the NFL and even worse than your Ooh. Eagles, Kev. <laughs> Cheeky. <laughs> I, I can't believe they didn't try to draft one of the, the decent rookies from this draft. I mean... They're going to have our very own Kev White catching balls in, <laughs> in week one, having oh, just signed him. <laughs> yeah, you, as well. you struggled last night, didn't you, Kev? Three oh, targets, no, no catches. Getting, what's he's, he's getting cut like in the next few days. <laughs> it's, it's so sad. Savage. Uh, uh, I saw a funny tweet about Jameis Winston yesterday. This was before he absolutely lit up the preseason game, but it went along the lines of, Winston threw 30 interceptions with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin as wide receivers. So how many is he going to throw with Callaway and Traquan Smith? Um, <laughs> I thought it was quite funny, but a serious point. Are, are any of those two going to be productive and step up and become a value? Um, for me, the answer is no. 
so maybe Callaway. I do like his his skill set, but I don't see him nowhere near a wide receiver one type player. So now is the perfect time to sell Callaway and Smith to to anyone that's willing to lap up the hype. Um, for me, it's going to be all Alvin Kamara until we see Michael Thomas back, um, and we've seen it before. So when Michael Thomas was absent through weeks two to eight. Alvin Kamara was the highest running back scorer by an absolute mile. He scored 172 points, which was 32 points more than the next closest running back. Um, and then Thomas then missed the the last three games of the season. And Kamara only played in two of two out of the three games and went absolutely nuclear, scoring 74.6 points in just the two games, including that unreal six touchdown performance. So on that basis, I'm too low on Kamara this season. Um, this offense is going to be all Kamara for as long as Slant Boy is out. Um, <laughs> when he does come back, it's going to be interesting, though. He was at, he was quite productive in the seven games that he played, although zero touchdowns is a bit of a concern um, with Taysen and Jameis. Uh, uh, <clears throat> and the recent stuff about Michael Thomas, all that cryptic messaging is a bit of a concern. Um, but for me, he's going to be a guy that will dominate wherever he ends up. So I'm actually going to be buying any sort of dip in value for for Michael Thomas. So I'll uh, throw a quick question back to you, Matt. Um, do you own any shares of Callaway or Smith? And what sort of offer would you have to receive to move them on in Dynasty right now? Yeah, I do have a few shares of, of both of these guys. They were both cheap targets towards the end of, of startups. And and like Kev mentioned, I was able to pick a couple up off, uh, off waivers um, in existing leagues. But I think we mentioned it. If you can get a second for for either of these guys, then I'm I'm happy to move them on. I've seen a few people posting on Twitter that they've managed to get second round picks for 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 Callaway, especially obviously with the the buzz around him at the minute. Um, but otherwise, I think I'm probably just going to hold and and hope that they can make a strong start while ever Thomas is is out, and then maybe look to move on then if we if we get a bit more hype. Um, maybe you can get that second, uh, maybe even more, depending on on the the start that they make. Um, another good approach would maybe be to package them up for a more solid vet, especially if you're a win-now team. Use that hype and, and maybe get yourself somebody like Corey Davis, who we just spoke about, if you can use Callaway to, to get somebody like Davis who can who can produce early, or, or Marvin Jones as well, another guy that's I think can be productive and obviously with that, that age discrepancy, you can get him quite cheap. Um, yeah, that's the, the way I'm going to approach it and, and try and take advantage of, of the hype that's around him. Um, Probably don't have to add a, a great deal either to, to get those guys. So, yeah, that's that's the, the approach I'm taking. What about you, Kev? Have you got any shares of, of Callaway or Smith in Dynasty? I've got none of Traquan Smith. Uh, Callaway, I've got about two or three off waivers. Um, I'd happily move maybe one of those, but I think when I've got so little shares in someone that's Mm. I, I see he's got pretty decent upside. I, I want to hold at least one or two of these lottery tickets just in case. It's like I said um, a couple of a couple of weeks back or, or last week or whenever on Brian Edwards that I got for the second and a third for him and I turned it down just because it's the only dynasty share I've got and I just felt if he is <laughs> if he is Randy Moss then uh, I want to find <laughs> out. <laughs> That's the only problem though. It, it could be either be Randy Moss or it could be like uh, Randy Jackson. <laughs> It could be like a, a Slayton or a Preston Williams, these guys that were 
um, undrafted and, and got a bit of buzz, didn't they, early on and, yeah. and have, have faded mm. away a little bit. That's the, the risk you take, I guess. But when it's when it's cost you next to nothing to get him, then yeah, exactly. I, I, you can't argue with, with just holding just holding and, and seeing where it takes you, really, because you're, you're not losing much, are you? Um, so that, that brings us to the, to the end of the show where we've discussed the, the ambiguous situations in, in Dynasty right now. Um, have we got any final thoughts on, on today's show, boys? We'll, we'll start with you, Ali. Yeah, I, I personally love trying to break down murky backfields and receiver rooms. I think it's worth the effort because the payoff can be can be huge if you get it right. I think they often represent value with the fact that most people just stay clear of them. So players like Corey Davis, Devontae Parker, Raheem Mostert, who we all talked about, they can be taken late on in drafts and they can way outperform their ADP. Um, it's Although it's certainly easier to avoid altogether just for the headache, um, and that's that's fair play. That's how a lot of people like to play fantasy football. But if you want an easy life, then take that known quantity. But then it's it's the risk takers that can that can be either be killed by by a timeshare or they can reap the war, rewards of a of a riskier pick um, in one of these murky backfields or receiver rooms. So just say I hope we've given at least some guidance on a few of these murkiest situations. Yeah, I, I hate muddy backfields. Being honest. Um... In the main, I've tried to avoid these in Dynasty. I think you need to be paying up for the top guys, top 20 guys, or uh, even taking deeper shots in, in your drafts. Um, the only guys I'm really in on that are from muddy backfields in Dynasty is Gaskin and Edmonds for the short term for win-now teams. Uh, I think it's very, very risky, very dangerous to be thinking long-term in that um, sort of 20 to 35 range. Uh, it is a different approach for me at wide receiver. I think the fact that multiple wide receivers are on the field at the same time means there are values to be had. And I think the more leagues that you play, the more happy you are to have multiple wide receivers from the same offense across your leagues. Whereas if you're in a couple of leagues, you might just pick out one guy from an offense and hammer him in a couple of spots. I think it's important to remember that situations change, so don't be too dismissive of a player based on the situation, especially at wide receiver, focus on the talent. Uh, if they're good enough, then the targets will come. So um, at wide receiver, don't give up if they're in a potentially what you consider a bad spot. Yeah, I think it's been a lot of fun breaking down these situations, obviously, in your two's um, different opinion on, on these backfields and, and wide receiver cause. Um, the potential return, like Ali said, it, it can be great if you hit on one of these guys. And then I think the risk is baked into to that ADP as well. So you can get them at a, a value. And, and if you do hit, then you, you've hit the jackpot. Um, I do think we've, we've highlighted some guys that can definitely do that. Um, and one other thing to, to bear in mind is that the final roster cuts are, are next week. Um, that could clear up some some of these situations, but at the same time, it could create some more muddy situations <laughs> once the, the free agents are signed. So I don't think the headaches are, are over just yet. Um, to be honest, I think that they're only just beginning and we're going to have another another wave of, of, of some muddy backfields and, and uh, wide receiver cores to, to dissect. But yeah, that, that brings us to the end. Thanks once again for tuning in and be sure to subscribe and and follow us on Twitter at Fantasy Wildcard. On his next show, which is going to drop on Tuesday the 31st of August, which is when final roster cuts is. Um, we're going to be recapping the we're going to be recapping training camp and the, the preseason buzz. So guys that have stood out and our thoughts on them from, from a dynasty perspective. So thank you once again and have a good one and we'll see you again soon. When you have the wild card, you have the power to change the game.